listening to Devan's Baby Buzz podcast. Devan is the Delaware Valley chapter of the National Association of Neonatal Nurses. Devan's Baby Buzz is a podcast addressing the hot topics in neonatal nursing. The program features interviews with various experts and is hosted by the Devan Board of Trustees. We are offering expert opinions, helpful tips, and honest advice. For more information on our chapter or to suggest a podcast topic, please check out our website, devannurses.org. Thanks for tuning in. My name is Kristen Gerhart, and I am a NICU nurse educator in Philadelphia Hospital. I am here today to interview a dear friend about use of essential oils. Are you able to introduce yourself? Yeah. Hi, my name is Cami Shaw, and I'm actually also a nurse um, in Philadelphia. I've been in adult health for the majority of my career, which is about 23 years at this point. Um, and I became interested in essential oils for personal reasons. I had um, three children who had some um, medical issues um, and other things that I was looking for alternatives for. And so I became curious about essential oils. And then through my, I've been using them now for about six years. um, And I decided to go back and get my nurse aromatherapy certification because I I really felt like I wanted to have some um, higher level education concerning essential oils just because of some personal experiences that I had with them. Um, I just wanted to expand my knowledge. So I feel like the world has been changing and more and more people are talking about essential oils. So what are essential oils? So essential oils are really, it's very interesting, um, even what's happened over the past six years. It was, um, they've been used in medicine and traditional medicine cultures for years and years, centuries and centuries, really, since the beginning of time. You can look back at medical literature, um, especially in the Middle East, and you can actually find like studies that were done. And it's very interesting to look into the history of them. But for me, six years ago, they were very obscure. Um, and now you can find them everywhere, right? You can find them in Target. You can find them in Bed Bath & Beyond. You can just find them everywhere. And it was, it's been very interesting, my personal journey to really look into what are they, because that was where my curiosity was. I had some early wins with the essential oils with my family. And then I was like, okay, what are these things? Like, what do they actually do? So essential oils by definition are aromatic volatile compounds. So some people, when they hear volatile, kind of go like, whoa, what does that mean? All that means is that there's alcohols in them. And so that they um, they actually evaporate very quickly. So that's what gives you the aroma. When you're smelling a rose, you're actually smelling the essential oil that's on the rose petal. Um, And essential oils in and of themselves provide protection for the plant. So they are the immune system and they're the protection from the plant. So if a plant doesn't smell good, let's say to a predator, like a bear or deer or something that would want to eat that plant, they're not going to eat that plant. So it provides that protection. And then there's a part of the plant process. I'm not a botanist, so I don't know like exactly for sure, but um, how to explain it coherently. But there's something to do with um, the chlorophyll and things that the essential oils actually provide the immune system for the plant. And so it's really, it can also be very helpful from a medicinal perspective for us because some of the same properties that they provide to the plant, they can provide to us as long as we use them the right way. So how, how do they work? How do you actually use essential oils that you're able to get those benefits? So the biggest thing that I have researched in my experience is that it really comes down to the chemical makeup um, and the chemical constituents in the essential oil. So the way that I like to describe it is that just like medication that has a, um, I can't think of the word right now. He's going to edit this out. 
We're going to pause. I just talked about it upstairs. Active ingredient. I was about to say adverse reaction. So just start at the beginning for that answer. So essential oils, um, what really matters with the essential oil is the chemical constituents that that is in that oil. So that doesn't make sense to a lot of people. So the way that I describe it is those chemical constituents that make up that essential oil are actually the active ingredients of that oil. So where a medication that we take, like a Tylenol that has acetaminophen, um, will have one active ingredient or maybe two active ingredients. You can actually look like at the back of a medication or over-the-counter medication, you can see the active ingredients. Essential oils may have upwards of 50, 60, 70, Um, active ingredients. And so those are the different chemical constituents that are in that essential oil. And then what we know through research, we haven't, there's not research, I would say, on every single chemical constituent that's possible in the plant world. But there's a lot of research that's done on individual chemical constituents. And so that is what gives you those therapeutic benefits that you're looking for. So if you're looking for a essential oil that's calming, there's actually certain chemical constituents or those active ingredients that you need that essential oil to have in order to give you that calming therapeutic benefit that you're looking for. So essential oils in and of themselves, um, they work on an intracellular level. So they work inside the cells of your body. And when you inhale them, like through aromatherapy, there's actually a brain response that happens. Your olfactory bulb is sits right behind your nose. It's millimeters from your brain. And so to anything that you smell, not just essential oils, you know, anything that's in the environment, anything that you're smelling, you're actually having a brain response really quickly to that aroma before you're even conscious of what you're smelling. Your brain responds right away. So you can get an emotional benefit and a physiological benefit to aroma very, very quickly. If you're going to use an essential oil topically, so that would be applied to your body somewhere, um, say you've got some discomfort in your knee or your back, and so you chose to put some essential oils on that area of pain, um, then they're going to work a little bit differently. They're going to be absorbed by the skin, and they're going to work on an intracellular level to provide you with um, whatever therapeutic benefit you're looking for, which might be pain management, um, a decrease in swelling, um, some heat or coolness. Some of the oils, there's hot oils and there's cool oils as well. So you'll get that kind of icy hot experience from certain oils as well. So I know that you just talked a little bit about aromatherapy and maybe using different oils on your actual body, but how are some different ways that you can actually use essential oils? So you can use essential oils three different ways, um, which actually as a nurse is one of my favorite parts of essential oils because I've got a little bit of flexibility. So say one day I don't feel like filling up my diffuser, I can just go ahead and, you know, put them on topically or something like that. It gives me it gives me some choice in the matter that you don't always have with other um remedies that you might be trying to use. There may be only one way to use them. So you can use them three ways. You can use them aromatically um, through a diffuser or even just opening the bottle and inhaling. That way you're going to get that typical um, aromatherapy experience. There's also um, personal inhalers that you can create for yourself with different blends. And so you could put them you know, in your bag and bring them with you. So you've got a personal aromatherapy experience. You can also use them topically. So like I said, applied to the skin, um, applied to an area of discomfort. A lot of the way that um, situations when people will use them topically is say they get like 
you know, a bug bite or something like an area, um, small red rashy area or irritated area in the skin, they might use essential oils that way. Um, and then the third way that you can use them is internally. So internal, there's definitely a lot of debate around internal use. I suggest that people do some research. I've done a lot of personal research for myself. And so for my family, um, we've made certain decisions around internal use that I'm comfortable with. I just recommend that um, people are that they are, they talk to their medical professional, of course, always let them know what they're doing and that they do their own research. So there are some situations where internal use is appropriate. So internal use would be, you know, as simple as I am going to fill up my water bottle for the day and I'm going to put a drop of lemon essential oil in my water bottle because I want to get the benefits of the lemon essential oil and I would like to flavor my water a little bit. Um, or it could be something, um, there are also vegetable capsules that you can get and you can put essential oils in the veggie cap and then take them internally that way. A lot of great information. Um, can you talk to me a little bit about safety precautions? I know you talked about needing to speak with your medical provider, but are there other things specific to essential oils that people should be cautious about before using them or, you know, where to purchase them or what that looks like? So from a safety perspective, um, I recommend that everybody do their research. I think that's very important. I think that we need to empower ourselves to really be our own patient advocate, right? That we need to really understand how these things work and so that we can use them safely. But I also don't want people to be afraid of them. So when you look at essential oils, essential oils are about 50 to 70 times more concentrated than their herbal counterpart. So think about a peppermint leaf. So one drop of essential oil is about 50 to 70 times more potent than that peppermint leaf. Or what we like to say is one drop of peppermint is equivalent to 28 cups of peppermint tea. So less is best all the time. Um, a typical adult adult dose of essential oils, one to two drops. Um, and then from a topical perspective, I always recommend dilution. So when you dilute with a carrier oil, which could be grapeseed extract or sweet almond oil or fractionated coconut oil, really any oil that you have laying on hand, you could use as a carrier. There's different benefits to different carrier oils, but it's best to dilute them, especially if you have sensitive skin. So essential oils can cause sensitization, um, and it just depends on your own body chemistry. So definitely diluting is always the safest way to go. And I also explain that the younger the child or the older the person, so especially the frail elderly, um, always recommended to dilute essential oils. And so the younger the child, the more diluted it's going to be and the older the person, the more dilute it's going to be. The nice thing about dilution too is it doesn't actually change the therapeutic benefit of the essential oil. So you and I... As adults, we may use one drop of an essential oil with one drop of a carrier oil. We're going to get the same benefit as if we were going to use one drop of an essential oil to 10 drops of a carrier with a younger child. You're going to get the same benefit in that person, no matter how you dilute it, how dilute it is. It doesn't dilute the benefits of it. That's great to know. Um, so if someone's interested in getting essential oils, where can they buy it? How do they know that they have a good product? I know you said there's a lot of places that people can get them. And I feel like there's a lot of competition in the market for it. So how could we go about buying an oil if you're interested in pursuing this? So what's really interesting is, you know, they have like come on the market, like they're everywhere now, you know, you can get them at the dollar store, you can get them at Target. And I truly believe that consumers, because you don't know what you don't know. 
So everybody goes to the store and they think like, oh, lavender for $5 at Walmart. Yay, it's a great deal, right? But what ends up happening in the wellness industry um, is there is nobody, there's no like watchdog. There's nobody saying like, you can't label your product this way or what is in that bottle. There's nobody determining that. So there's no... There's nobody saying, there's nobody regulating what's happening in the industry. So companies, because they want to make money, unfortunately, um, they will label things that are inaccurate. So you will go and buy a bottle of oil that you think is 100% pure, lavender essential oil, and that's what it will say on the label. And you may turn the label over and read the fine print and it says lavender-like substance, or it may not say anything. And you may believe that you're getting a product that you think is safe and effective for your family, when in fact it was just this company hired a perfumist and it smells just like essential oil, but it's really not lavender at all. It's something completely synthetic. And so it's very important to do your research on the companies that you align yourself with and where you buy your essential oils from because you want to be sure that there's quality control and there's quality assurance that what's in the bottle, what's labeled on that bottle and that what's in that bottle is exactly what it says it is. So for me personally, I only use doTERRA essential oils. I did quite a bit of research early on, especially as a nurse and a mom. I was originally looking for essential oils for um, benefits for my family, not really from a patient perspective. And so I did a ton of research because I just wanted to be sure that what I was using on my family, I could trust. And so doTERRA really fit the bill for me. They're completely transparent um, with the way that they test every single batch of oil. I can look that up online and I can just bring it up with every bottle of oil that I have in my home. And over the past six years that I've been using them, I have had that consistent product. Like I've never, I've never opened a bottle and been like, uh-oh, this isn't the right thing. Um, I've always had the therapeutic benefits that I want from them. I've always had um, the product that I have come to expect from them. So for me, that um, that just gave me a lot of confidence in their product and then all of the research on top of it that they do and their transparency was huge. So I wholeheartedly recommend doTERRA just because I know what's in the bottle. It's great information. Um, so I know that you mentioned a little bit about doing your research. So, you know, everybody likes Dr. Google and can just Google the answer to anything. But is there certain websites or places that you'd go or how do you know that you're getting the correct information? Like, how do I know that the research I'm doing is going to give me the best answers for my own use or for use by my family? Yeah. So I think, you know, for many of us, you end up Googling something. And really, I mean, you can Google anything, right? Like we are in this information age where we can find whatever information we, we want. But to really determine like whether this is a reliable resource is hard. I think it's hard for most people. Um, and so, you know, six years ago it was basically mommy blogs. There wasn't a whole lot that I could find. And I'm not dissing mommy blogs like at all. I think there's a lot of moms do a lot more research than other people do, you know, because they're looking to change the lives of their families or something, or they're very motivated. Um, but what I found, the two websites that I have found that have been really helpful is aromaticscience.com. So that's like a clearinghouse for all of the research that's done on aromatics, so on essential oils. So aromaticscience.com, you can go in, you can look it up by certain um, body systems. You can also look it up by specific essential oils if you wanted to. And then just different research studies will come up and you'll be able to click on them and read them. Some of the scientific studies are a little bit hard to read and a little bit hard to determine like what the actual results are. But if you really start to dig in, you can, you can find some answers that you need. And also PubMed. PubMed is a great 
um, website. So if you just go in and research essential oils, like you can put in lavender essential oil and you'll be amazed with how many research studies come up. You may have to dig a little bit again. Abstracts are a good place to start. Conclusions, like if you've never read a research study, that's sort of where I go, abstracts and conclusions. And then I kind of know if I want to dig in more. Um, but they're a really good place. And honestly, doTERRA.com um, has a lot of great research as well, a lot of blogs, a little bit easier for like a lay person to read. Um, but if you re really want to dig into the research, then those are the two websites that I tend to go to. That's great. Um, have you found that you've seen more research in recent years? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and what's nice is nurses are starting to do some research as well. So I really love that. Like as a nurse, that's just my passion because I feel like this is a place where nurses can really step into the forefront. I mean, this is a lot of the aromatherapy protocols that have been developed have been because nurses have developed them and they've been nursing driven um, policies versus something that you need to get, say, an order for or something like that. So that just makes me excited because I feel like, you know, nurses can really get out in front and make a difference um, with some of these complementary therapies. Um, and also, I think it's important to remember that everybody physiologically is a little bit different. So do your research, but also try. You know, because I may say like, hey, peppermint works great for me for X, Y, Z, and it may not work for the next person. That doesn't mean that peppermint doesn't work. That just means that everybody physiologically is a little bit different. And so you may, you're going to need to tailor that protocol or that treatment for the person. But the lovely thing is there's hundreds of different essential oils out there and there's a lot of overlap in the plant world. So if something, if one thing doesn't work for you, that doesn't mean that the next thing won't. Um, you've just got to be willing to try. That's great advice. I wanted to spend a little bit of time talking about some common ailments in pregnancy and different ways that you are able to use essential oils. I know for me personally, I am a mom of four, and there, essential oils wasn't something that I was really interested in or you know looked to use. And in hindsight, I do wish that I had the availability of essential oils and could have used it for some of the many common ailments you know, that you have in pregnancy that women suffer in silence a little bit on because you just don't really know what to do or is this something that's normal or is there a way that I can naturally solve this problem because I don't want to take the risk of taking a medication or, you know. Or you can't take it. Right. Or right? having like exposure to the baby to take different medicines. But is there a different way that I can solve this and, and not suffer in silence with this? So are there different oils that you can use that you'd recommend and are they safe? Yeah. So, you know, it's interesting. My kids are older now um, and I always, especially, you know, doing some research, I did not use oils when I was pregnant. I did not use them with babies. Like I didn't even know oils existed way back, way back when, two decades ago, almost <laughs> crazy to think. Um, but I so wish I had them because there were so many things. So I had so much discomfort during pregnancy. Like I was not a happy pregnant lady. Um, and if I had had them when the babies were little, oh my gosh, the things that I could have done, like the stuff that I know now. But a big thing during pregnancy is safety, right? Like there's so many things that you do when you're not pregnant that you can't do when you are pregnant um, and all of the concerns that go along with that. So I totally appreciate um, the fact that there needs to be safety. So what I always, what I would always recommend for anyone that's pregnant is to always dilute, especially when you use it topically. Um, just err on the side of caution and a higher dilute 
dilution ratio would be recommended. Like I would probably recommend like a like a one to two percent dilution um, for any oil that you're making. And there's like mathematics to that, and I can help people with that, like how to figure it out. You don't have to figure. It. And there's also if you just Google um, like a dilution chart for essential oils, you will see that stuff comes up. So it'll make it easy for you. Um, so always dilute in pregnancy. Um, the one oil that you should, my recommendation would be to avoid until late stage pregnancy, like third trimester, or almost when you're ready to deliver would be clary sage. So there is some research to suggest that it can help to pr- promote um, contractions and labor. I needed that. I, I had, know. I had one right? 10 days overdue. I needed right. clary sage. Exactly. You needed it at that point. You don't want it in your first or second trimester, but like, you know, when you're overdue, might be really helpful. Um, so clary sage, I would avoid, although, like I said before, everybody is physiologically different. So some women do really, really well with clary sage. Clary sage is helpful with balancing out some of the hormone, right? Yeah. <laughs> fluctuations that you get um, all throughout womanhood. I mean, I'm perimenopausal, so clary sage is super helpful for me now. Um, So some women use it throughout their entire pregnancy. Those are people who are experienced with essential oils and they know what to look for. And so if you're new, if you're totally naive to essential oils, it would just be something that I would avoid until your late stage pregnancy. Um, But yeah, I mean, there's a lot that you can do with essential oils for common ailments. so my biggest ailment was heartburn. So oh, I feel like I worst. suffered and I popped Tums like they were Pez and I just <laughs> didn't know what to do with myself. Eventually resorted to Zantac at the very end but was really in so much discomfort and I know that's a big one for people. So is there a cure? Yes. And I think too then you can't sleep. Yes. Right? So then you eat and then you can't sleep because the heartburn is just so uncomfortable. It's a vicious and then you're cycle. So your body is just so big and uncomfortable that you can't sleep anyway. Yes, totally understand. So heartburn. So great ones for GI distress in general. Like when we look at the GI system um, as a whole, peppermint, ginger, wild orange, and also think about, um, you know, not just heartburn, but nausea, you know, that morning sickness. Um, a lot. I mean, I had morning sickness, something fierce with all of my kids. And so again, peppermint, ginger, those are two big ones. And interestingly enough, lemon is really helpful as well. So think about um, with heartburn or with nausea, that morning sickness, when you don't know what aroma is going to set you off. So you've got to be a little careful because like from me to you, we might have like not preferred certain aromas, like depending on who we were. Like some people don't like meat. Some people can't handle, you know, I don't know. Like for me, it was um, the food aversions. Yeah. I couldn't handle the smell of coffee. I love coffee. But during pregnancy, I was like, Um, and lemon is actually a really good one in pregnancy, which is interesting because it isn't my first choices are peppermint and ginger, but they're a little bit stronger of aromas. So they might be harder for somebody to manage, especially um, in that first trimester. So lemon is great. Wild orange is great. Um, Those are some really good options for people. Okay. Um, So let's talk about some other things. So what about swelling. I know in my last pregnancy, because I had my fourth baby due in the summer, I had a lot of swelling, especially in my legs. Um, Is there things that people can do to relieve? How would you recommend they even use the oils for that? Did you have cankles? I did. They were more than cankles. They were like thankles from the thigh down. (laughs) From the thigh down. So I had a summer baby too. um, And I remember 
literally, can I be like totally authentic here on this podcast? So it was my second baby. He was due September 20th. I had him September 1st. Praise Jesus. He was born early because I was like done. Um, But I remember laying on my couch with my pants off because I couldn't even handle my pants anymore. And anytime somebody would come and ring the doorbell, I would have to put my pants on because like I just it was so you hot. You just and if and if the news anchor, the weather person said one more time that we were in another like heat, heat wave, wave in Philadelphia, I was going to lose my mind. Like I was like, I can't do this anymore. It was horrible. So, yes, I totally understand swelling. And I was swollen, I think, from like my bra line down. So <laughs> I beat you and I went three weeks early. Yeah. <laughs> um. So swelling. Yes, I would recommend topical use of essential oils for swelling, and I would actually put it on the areas of swelling. So we want to get that lymphatic system moving. Um, your lymph system is has a lot to do with moisture um, and swelling or edema that you have going on, especially in pregnancy. So we want to get that lymph moving. So a lot of um, the oils that will help with that is cypress. So cypress is the oil of flow. Like it really helps things just kind of get moving. Um, so cypress is helpful. Lavender is helpful. Ginger is helpful. And so is lemon. So any of those oils diluted with a little bit of a carrier oil and then just massage them in. And then there's a blend that doTERRA has that kind of includes all of those things that I talked about. It's called the Aroma Touch Blend. And that's actually, I don't know, like my my top three oils for pregnancy and newborn stage. Um, Aroma Touch is just incredibly powerful because it has a blend of all of those oils that are helpful for swelling or helpful for um, nausea or helpful for heartburn, like all the things that we've already talked about. Um, They can all be found in that blend. So a good place to start. Yes, a very good place to start. Yeah. And dilute it well. Um, I would probably do like if you're going to apply, let's say on your ankles, like, you know, your whole leg, you might need a little bit more. But if you were just going to apply to your ankles, I would use one or two drops of Aroma Touch and then um, like five or six drops of a carrier oil. That's kind of a good place to start and just apply it, massage it in really well. Um, I would do it probably in the morning when you first wake up, like after your shower. Before the cankles really start. Before the cankles start. And then again, before bedtime. Now I'm going to throw you a curveball. Oh, so I've heard a little on. bit about dry brushing. Is that something that you think people could do with pregnancy? And how would that help with the swelling? Oh, my gosh. Absolutely. So dry brushing, you know, has been around for a long time. I only got into it a couple of years ago, to be honest. Like, so funny as nurses, I think that, like, we think we know everything. And well, then we, we I mean, well, we do. I mean, we no. do. But then you, like, research stuff and you're like, how did I not know this? So dry brushing is a technique. You can Google it. I actually YouTubed like how to dry brush. There's a ton of tutorials there. Very educational. And so that your lymphatic system does not have um, valves and things that your cardiovascular system does. So your veins and your arteries, they have like a way to move that blood mechanically through your body. Lymphatic system lays directly next to your cardiovascular system, but it doesn't have those valves and things to move things along. So it's easy for fluid to just kind of stagnate and just sit somewhere. So dry brushing helps to stimulate your lymphatic system and to get that fluid to move through your body. And so dry brushing, absolutely. And you can actually use essential oils with the dry brush. So what I end up doing is I will put a couple drops of the essential oil onto the dry brush directly, and then I'll just go through the routine of dry brushing. So you're going to get the benefit of the brush and the benefit of the oil at the same time. So Aroma Touch is a good option for that. The only thing I didn't mention, um, which I should go back to with topical use, is citrus oils. 
should not be used if you're going to be out in direct sunlight. They can make you photosensitive. So I would not recommend that somebody lather themselves in lemon essential oil. And then jump outside. And then go to the beach. Yeah. Don't do that. Yeah. Okay. Just avoid them. Um, let's see. Some other pregnancy ailments. How about breast tenderness? Uh, you know, especially in the first trimester. I feel like especially with your first baby particularly. Even the later ones too. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. All those hormones just coursing through your body. And that's one thing. Like that's how we know maybe we are pregnant. Like the excitement happens, right? You're like, oh. I have breast tenderness. Like maybe mm-hmm. the pregnancy test will be positive. Like I remember thinking that, like telling my husband, like, I don't know. This could be it. This could be it. Um, so lavender is really, really um helpful for breast tenderness. So lavender has calming properties. I would also dilute it. I would not apply it directly to the nipple, but I would apply it around the breast. Um, and it can be really, really helpful. And lavender too, because of its calming properties, you know. We tend to get a little anxious during pregnancy, especially your first, you know, although I was anxious with all of my pregnancies. But um, if you do tend to get anxious or have difficulty sleeping, lavender is also a really incredible oil to use for any anxiety, any insomnia, um, any pain, really. Lavender is helpful um, and soothing to that. And it's also great in the newborn period. So that's one of those oils that it's great to have on hand like for the staple. entire- Oh my gosh, yeah. And lavender is really, it's a ester. And so the ester oils, that's a functional group when you look at like organic chemistry, which everybody goes to sleep when I start talking about organic chemistry. But lavender and Roman chamomile are both in the ester family. And so those are the calmest and mildest oils that we have. So very, very safe during pregnancy and the newborn period. Okay. How about constipation? I know a lot of women suffer. That's a suffer and silence one. But your diet's changing. Your hormones are changing. Your body is changing. And how do you deal with that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So movement, right? Like we got to keep moving. We got to keep drinking water. That's very important. But sometimes like your baby's just in the way, right? <laughs> like all your organs get moved out of the way. It's incredible what they, the female body does to provide room for these babies. Um, so... Lemon essential oil, again, is awesome for constipation. It'll help to get things moving. Peppermint and fennel are really, really helpful. So you can use them topically. Um, I would talk to your doctor about using them internally. It is something that I, at certain stages of pregnancy, would be comfortable, but that's because I've been using oils for a long time. So it's absolutely something to discuss with your physician, but you can use them topically. You can also just diffuse them, use them aromatically as well um, to try to get things moving. And anything warm, like even like creating um, like a peppermint tea would be really helpful. So warm liquids in general will help to stimulate <laughs> the need to go. Like think about your morning coffee. Um, so create yourself a little peppermint tea or a little lemon tea would be helpful to get things moving. So I'm going to ask the question, what about post-delivery? Because after you have a baby, you're pretty sure that you're never actually going to be able to go to the bathroom again. And you don't want to actually probably ever go because the thought of it is is terrifying. Yes. Yeah. So would you use the same oils or does that change? Um, I would probably use the same oils. There is a blend. Um, it's called the digestive blend or digestin through doTERRA that I would use post delivery. Um, It's got peppermint, ginger, fennel, cardamom, star anise. Um, That might be a little bit strong to use during pregnancy, although there's plenty of women that use it during pregnancy and have no problem. I think it would just depend on, you would need to smell it to feel if it was too strong, especially in the first trimester with morning sickness. So it's not always the first thing I recommend, but definitely after delivery, I think it can be really helpful. Okay. That's great. 
let's talk about fatigue um, because that's that the struggle is real and you like are so excited but then you just feel like you just need to nap all day every day mm-hmm. so and is, like why do you have to go to work right and you kind of have to limit the coffee too so mm-hmm. um mean yeah it's mean. just rude so what would you do <laughs> with or are there oils that you can use that would help with those feelings yeah so that general feeling of like fatigue lethargy just utter exhaustion i remember Second trimester was great, but first trimester and third trimester, I felt like I'd been hit by a truck, like just exhausted. So citruses and mints are really helpful for fatigue. So citrus oils like lemon or wild orange, grapefruit, tangerine, those are all great options. Citrus oils tend to be very uplifting, um, and so it'll uplift your mood and wake you up a little bit. Um, But then the addition of any mint oil, so think peppermint, spearmint, they are very invigorating. Um, And so I love the combination of citruses and mints. So it's going to help your emotions. Like it's going to just bring your energy level up and your emotional level up if you're feeling kind of like, well, the drudgery of pregnancy. Um, They can be really helpful emotionally as well. Okay. So I love them in combination. Wild orange and peppermint is one of my favorite combos. So I would have to agree. Now, I would say spearmint and tangerine is one of my favorites. Okay. That's going to be next on the list. Okay. Um, so let's talk a little bit about headaches. I know sometimes I always felt like it was because I was dehydrated. So of course you want to make sure that your fluid status is, is, you know, in a good position. Spoken like a true nurse. If you're still suffering (laughs) with some headaches. Yes. You know, what, what oils can you go to? So I love the combination of peppermint and lavender. So peppermint, um, has a lot of pain relieving properties. It's got kind of that cooling effect, um, on your body. So I like to use peppermint topically on my temples or wherever the discomfort is. So if it's the back of my neck, if it's the top of my head, my temples, I'll just apply a little bit there. Um, And lavender in and of itself, again, awesome during pregnancy. Like you're going to see how versatile lavender is in this conversation. Um, But the combination of peppermint and lavender. So lavender with its calming and peppermint with its cooling properties um, and its pain relieving properties, that's really helpful for headaches. Okay. How about muscle cramps? I know, again, the the fluid status can also play a role in that. But specifically, I know a lot of women do have leg cramps and stuff like that that they do suffer with at night um, or even, you know, back pain. Is there oils um, that you and can And all that ligament that? pain? That I, like yes, stretching. I had a lot of ligament pain. I also even had a lot of pain, like my pelvis had started to pull apart as well. So Okay, just I, the thought of that, man. That was mm. a, a struggle I know personally. So is there different oils that women could use to help with that? Yeah. Yeah, so this is again the powerhouse would be Aroma Touch. That would be that that blend um, that I just love during pregnancy. So all those things: muscle cramps, back pain, ligament discomfort. Aroma Touch is going to be your best friend, diluted and applied like everywhere <laughs> where just you're uncomfortable. Bathe in it. Just bathe in it. Um, and you actually can do an Epsom salt bath with Aroma Touch. So an um, Epsom salt bath, warm bath. And then you're going to add like a cup of Epsom salts, but I will add the essential oil, only like two drops. You don't need a lot. Two drops of the Aroma Touch into the Epsom salts, let them emulsify a little bit, like absorb into that and then drop it in the warm water. Then you can go ahead and soak in that. I think I might just do that now for Mm -hmm. me. I still do it and I'm way past the All childbearing right, That sounds years. like a plan. Yep. So really helpful for any of that like muscle discomfort, back pain. I mean, your body is just stretching and changing so much during pregnancy. It's got a lot of weight on it. Um, as a single 
oil um, for muscle cramps, my choice would be marjoram. Marjoram um, helps to tone the muscle some, so that will start to alleviate some of that like spasmine and tightness. Um, and then lavender, again, really, really helpful. But Aroma Touch has marjoram in it already. I believe I'm almost 100% sure. Um, now I'm questioning myself because I'm saying it out loud. Um, so, I mean, you can really get like all the benefits in one blend. It's awesome. Okay. How about itchy skin? Another common ailment. I know a lot of women, especially the belly, very, very itchy. So is there, I know they talk about using the cocoa butter. Mm -hmm. Could you add the oils to the cocoa butter or what does that look like? Yeah, cocoa butter is a great carrier actually. So you can just grab whatever cocoa butter you have and then you can add to it lavender, Roman chamomile, um, or some frankincense. Super great for itchy skin. So you're not only going to get the benefits of the cocoa, but then you've got the essential oil you know, benefits on top of it. It's awesome. Okay. Yep. Um, so let's talk now about varicose veins. So that's something I They're feel like super I fun, right? still suffer there. So what, what can you use that could help with that? I know a lot of it's just the pressure. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, yeah. what are your tips and tricks? Yeah. So varicose veins, again, like, you know, you've got to worry about your fluid status. You need to be drinking enough water. You need to get off your feet when you can. I mean, you need to do all those mechanical things. Um, with my first pregnancy, I was pretty good at wearing those like compression stockings, the thigh high ones. Mm -hmm. So right. uncomfortable. Yeah. I totally didn't. My second, my third, I couldn't. I was like hot. It like made me a furnace. I was like, I have to take these things off. They drove me nuts. Um, but using, and even like a white lotion base is a good carrier oil. So adding a couple drops of cypress to that. Cypress is helpful marjoram again or the aroma touch blend like that's again I'm going to keep saying the same things over and over again or lemon as long as you're not going to be out in the sun they can be really really helpful for varicose veins and consistency is key I mean I talk about this all the time with essential oils um, we're very used to immediate gratification in our culture and natural medicine just isn't that way and so the consistency is going to be important so figure out a routine you know if you're suffering from varicose veins make sure before you're going to work your, you know, 12-hour shift in the hospital that you've put on your essential oils or whatever, you know, whatever regimen routine you've opted, make it a thing. routine. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So let's talk about the insomnia because that is something that definitely happens at the end of your pregnancy. You're thinking, okay, they keep telling me I have to sleep now because this baby's coming and that's the last I'm thing never that sleeping I can do again. <laughs> is sleep because I just sit up all night long and think about all of the things. Exactly. So how do you help yourself sleep? So I think sleep hygiene is very important. Um, my kids, not to scare any new moms out there, but my kids were terrible sleepers. Don't tell them Just that. FYI. I don't know. I am a good sleeper. I think it has to have come from their dad. That's just what I'm saying. The gene pool. The gene pool. Um, but my kids were not great sleepers. And what I've learned through like my research when I was like, please, I need some sleep. They need to sleep. We all need to sleep is that a routine, creating a routine around sleep is really important. You need to have certain things that you do that trigger your brain to shut down. And we are so used to being on our phones, staring at the TV, like constant stimulation that we just don't have that natural shutdown of the brain. So essential oils can be a huge part of your sleep hygiene routine. So definitely recommend, I mean, you've heard it before, right? Shut off your phone 30 minutes before, like make sure you're not watching TV, like make sure you're not stimulating your brain with like all of this screen time. Um, so do that. But also a diffuser in your bedroom is really helpful. And remember I talked about 
the olfactory nerve and how a whole factory bulb that sits and it's right next to your emotional center in your brain. And so you're having a brain response to aroma before you're even aware. And so by setting up your diffuser before bedtime, you're actually triggering your body to realize like, oh, it's time for bed. Like even it's not a conscious thing that you need to do. You're just creating that scent memory. So definitely a diffuser at the bedside. Set that up, you know, 20 minutes before you go to bed or before you go brush your teeth or whatever. Get that going so that you've got some aroma in your room. Um, I like to use a combination of lavender and frankincense. And I will also take the lavender and frankincense and I'll apply it to the bottom of my feet. And that really helps like that topical use. And also that diffuser is just like amazing for a good night's sleep you'll be. And then I'll actually rub whatever's left on my hands. I'll rub it on my pillow because then when I lay down, it's like creating this like immediate response. Um, And so really creating that routine for yourself so your body knows when to shut down. Um, And again, if you're having like restless legs or muscle cramping or whatever, make sure that you've used like the Aromatouch or Cypress or whatever you've chosen to use. Make sure you're applying that before you go to bed so that you're already ahead of the game. Okay. So you talked about rubbing on the bottom of the feet. So why the bottom of the feet? Yes, I didn't talk about that when we talked about topical. So bottom of the feet is one of the best places to use essential oils topically. So I don't know, have you ever seen like a reflexology map of the yes, bottom of your with feet? with all the special spots. Mm-hmm, all the special spots. So I do not get super specific about where I place my oils. Like put it here because it'll affect the liver. Some people do. I just don't. I just rub it over my entire foot. But the nice thing is there's so many nerve endings in the bottom of your feet. The essential oils are going to interact with all of those nerves. And there's a lot of pores on the bottom of your feet. So there's absorption that happens really quickly with essential oils. So when you apply the oils to the bottom of the feet, they actually reach your cells in like 20 to 30 seconds. Super fast. Wow. Um, And so when I'm looking for an immediate response, I will do typically aromatic and topical bottom of the feet because I really want to make it happen. Make it happen. Exactly. Okay. So now let's move a little bit more to, you know, that you've had the baby. Um, So let's talk about urinating post-delivery or even, you know, we talked a little bit about the first bowel movement Mm post-delivery, but, you know, the big thing, you have the baby, they want to make sure you can pee. You can't leave until you pee. Yeah. Like that is And you want to go home. So how, what do you do? So I learned this from some of my labor and delivery friends because I had no idea um, that this was super helpful. So a drop of peppermint, bring your peppermint essential oil to the hospital with you because a drop of peppermint in the toilet, you don't put it on yourself. You put it in the toilet, it will help to stimulate you to urinate. How awesome is that? So right into the toilet. Right into the toilet. One to two drops. That's all you need. Magic. Isn't that amazing? That's like magic. I don't magic. even know how that actually works, but I think it's awesome. Okay. Um, what about depression or sadness. I know your hormones are all over the place, all over the place as you're adjusting to life as a mom with this little human being. That now is in your care that did not come with an instruction manual. Right. And then they don't sleep. So what are the things that you can do that they could don't tr- sleep. try to help to uplift that, your, your mood and, mm-hmm. you know, your emotional stability? So for any depression or sadness, I mean, I always think about baseline, um, what you need 
for stability and balance. So frankincense is my favorite oil to use for balance. Um, it comes from the frankincense tree. Tree oils tend to be really balancing and grounding. And so I love that as my base. And then I will add to that maybe a lavender for calming if I'm feeling a lot of anxiety um, or if I'm just feeling a lot of sadness and I need some uplifting, then I will add a citrus. So like a wild orange or a lemon is a perfect option. Okay. What about breastfeeding um, and having a baby? Is there any oils for use around that? Yeah. So I don't recommend that people actually apply essential oils to their nipples and then feed the baby. I mean, you can if there's time in between, um, but you don't, you know, you don't necessarily want to put it on and then breastfeed them. But um, a caution. So peppermint has been known to decrease milk supply. Now, again, this is not in every nursing mom. Some nursing moms use you know, peppermint without any problems. But if you're worried about your milk supply, don't use the peppermint. Use something like spearmint is fine as an alternative. Um, If you need to increase your milk supply, fennel is really helpful, which most moms know that anyway because they will recommend like fennel tea or fennel Yeah, mother's milk tea is something I used a lot. Yep, so fennel essential oil is really helpful for milk supply. And is that something you would say to ingest or is that something? I would, I mean, you can definitely ingest it. Again, talk to your medical professional, you know, talk to your OB and all that. Make sure they're aware with what you're doing. Um, But you can also just apply it directly to the breasts or the bottom of the feet with a carrier oil. But I would apply it like behind the area of the nipple, you know, more on like the breast tissue itself. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, I'm going to ask you one more postpartum question before we wrap up. Sure. I know for me, um, hair loss was a very big thing postpartum, and it's one of those things that people really don't tell you about. And then all of a sudden you have clumps in the shower. And then you take a shower and you have these clumps of hair. And I feel like it's a few months after you've had this baby and you have this beautiful mane of hair from all the prenatal vitamins. And then after, you know, you really do have hair loss. I know I was taking biotin and things like that Mm -hmm. trying to help, but is there oils that could help with that? So from a hair perspective, I mean, especially because it's hormonal, clary sage is helpful for balancing those hormones. So again, postpartum, you wouldn't use that like early pregnancy, but postpartum, you could absolutely start using clary sage to start to balance those hormones out. You could also add lavender and rosemary to your shampoo. So that will help with general hair health. Um, you can actually, and you can also apply like rosemary, rosemary and lavender um, and like massage it into your scalp. Okay. So that will help as well. But I think some of that hair loss is fairly normal. It's just because of those hormonal fluctuations. Um, so I wouldn't worry too much about it. But if you were like, you know, if you wanted to treat it, that's what I would choose. Okay. Well, thank you. This has been very, very helpful and appreciate the opportunity to talk through some of these common pregnancy ailments. Thank you for very joining happy us. to be here. This podcast should not be used in any legal capacity whatsoever, including but not limited to establishing standard of care in a legal sense or as a basis for expert witness testimony. No guarantee is given regarding the accuracy of any statements or opinions made on this podcast. Full disclosure, our opinions are our own.